Hallelujah. God is truly, truly good to his people. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm going to ask my wife to come and maybe to say just a word or two. And as she's coming, you can be seated. This year, we will be celebrating 40 years of marriage. When she got me, I was just a baby. (laughs) Amen. We were both babies. But God has been good to us, and I'm so thankful for that. I wasn't expecting to to come up here. I was just, maybe would have said something right there, but I'm honored. It's a privilege to be here this morning. And God truly is faithful. He is faithful. When I think about that first, one of the first services when Kenneth and Erica came to Jonesboro, and I think of the house there and a few of y'all that were, there's a couple of y'all, I see. There she is. Yeah, I can't even. But anyway, uh, I started just thanking God this morning when I looked out here and I saw the congregation and the people of God as they worship. And uh, the presence of God that is here this morning. I am so thankful for the Lord. I don't know about you. But God has been good to me. And there's not a service that I don't want to come into his presence and say, Lord, you are good. You are faithful. I love the Lord this morning. And I'm so thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the kindness that you have showed my children and our grandchildren. And God is just good, folks. He really is. Hallelujah. Now, I did real good earlier, and uh, I was kind of watching the time. As a matter of fact, uh, both my boys noticed I did real good. Amen. So I'll try to do good again. But I wonder for just a moment, if you just close your eyes. Can you think of all of the blessings in your life that God has given you? Aren't you glad for his loving kindness? His tender mercies that are made new every day. And the grace that he's extended to us that we are so undeserving of, and yet He has allowed us to experience that. What a wonderful and mighty and awesome God that He is. Hallelujah. When I think of where He's brought me from and where I am today, it could have only been the Lord. Amen. I have been in the Arkansas district now for this past September was 26 years. We moved from Texas. It took us a while to get Texas out of the boys. And now they claim Arkansas, and I'm thankful for that. But Arkansas has become our home. And The Arkansas District and the churches of the Arkansas District have been so kind to us. Over the years, I've served in different positions and capacities in the Arkansas District, and right now I am 
the Arkansas missions director, and our churches are so faithful and so kind in what they do in supporting our missionaries. And I'm, I'm a tremendously blessed man. I don't understand a lot of things sometimes in the world around me, but I do understand and I am completely aware that it's all in his hands. And so I was, quite honestly, when we had first talked about this, I, Brother Kenneth asked me to come. I, I'm sure he mentioned it, and I'm just a little bit older and didn't really remember it as being an anniversary weekend. And so when I was preparing and, and just studying, wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do. And then my wife happened to mention on the way up here <laughs> about this being their seventh anniversary. And I said, really? <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to share something with you because we are at the beginning of a brand new year so there are tremendous opportunities out there before us we are closing one chapter as we start this brand new chapter and at the same time this church continues to move forward uh, I still believe this church is going to grow and be blessed the people of this congregation are going to grow and be blessed and so I want to Direct your attention this morning to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 and verse 19. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 and verse 19. He mentioned about being called Brother O'Connell and that most people think about me, but I go to the campground now and, and I get statements like, Oh, you're Kenneth's dad. So, you know, I'm reaching that point in life where I must decrease and he must increase. <laughs> but, you know, I'm fine with that. I guess I'm slipping into that position of being an elder, though I don't know what that's supposed to feel like, don't know what that is supposed to look like, but I get called that a lot now. And... Uh, but I'm just glad that uh, God has been good to me. Forty years I've been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in His name. God's been good to me. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on you, that you by them might war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. With the help of the Lord, I'd like to share with you this morning every pastor's desire for this new year. Every pastor's desire for this new year. Would you join with me and let's pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the many blessings and gifts in our life. And thank you for your word, which speaks to us. Thank you for your spirit, which leads us. I'm asking God 
that you would open our hearts, open our minds, give us understanding, and let there be commitments made this morning that would allow us to be stronger in faith than we ever have been. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to just make a couple of statements early on here. The world today kind of scares me. We are defying science and medicine by simply allowing people to choose whatever they want to become. So if a young man wants to be called a young girl, well, that can happen. It is getting crazy wild out there with everything that is taking place. In so many corners of the Christian world, we have leaders that will not speak against sin. There are men in pulpits all over our country that deny that there is a literal hell. There are many that, that preach a message of conviction where where the altar is just a place to come and feel better. Maybe to have your back padded and to hear possibly a kind word from someone who is praying with you, but it's not a place of dying anymore. It's not a place of surrender anymore. The altar is a completely different piece of furniture in the church than it used to be. Sins can be excused at an altar and ignored at an altar and oftentimes celebrated at an altar. But I still believe I'm one of the benefits of getting older is you can say almost anything you want and people say, well, bless his heart. So I can get away with some things that I might not have gotten away with when I was a younger man. And I like to take advantage of that. So if today I say something to you and, and you think, I can't believe he said that, then you can just, under your next breath, say, well, bless his heart. But every day I pray for my children and my grandchildren. And I look around with what's happening and as a pastor of a church, I think, what would I really like to share with my saints? What could I speak to them about in seeking the, the purpose and the will of God for their lives that somehow would be life-changing? Not just some clever idea that's picked up from the Word of God or a, a unique way at looking at a story in the Word of God, but something that is practical. I've reached that point in life where I like practical more than I like flashy. So I'm speaking to a church this morning that I know understands almost everything that I'm going to be sharing with you. And I know there's a youth group that is on fire and living for God who has a hunger for the things of God. And I know there are young families that are carving their destiny in the kingdom of God and doing everything they can to pass along to their children the very desire and love for God that they have. 
I know that there are older saints who have walked through a lot more battles than I have and prevailed and become victorious and still standing, and I'm thankful for all of that. But I'd like to speak to all of us this morning because I believe that this is the day and the generation that the end of times rests upon. We are living in a time when people are confusing good with evil and they've accepted the radical ideas of the minority and allowed the loudest voices to silence those that just don't agree and don't go along with them. Freedom of speech in our world today only works if it is filtered through the lens of what I want to believe. Politicians lie every day and leaders are immoral. Laws are biased against the Christian beliefs and values and people blaspheme God every day. Years ago, World War II, that generation was called the greatest generation. I want you to know we need a nation or a generation that will rise up and be greater than that generation. We need a generation of young men and young women that will stand up and speak against everything that is happening in our world. When everyone else is just going with the flow, we need young people that will stand up and say, I'm sorry, I don't believe that. I'm sorry, I'm not going that direction. I still believe that there is a God in heaven And I still believe that he can change everything that is happening in the world around me today. We need people, families that are consistent and dedicated and committed and consecrated to the church. To the idea that if I can make it to the house of God, I'll be encouraged and I'll be lifted up. And I'll be strengthened. And I'm going to hear a fresh word from God. And he's going to minister to me in the power of his word and in the power of his spirit. I know that the ideas and the views of this world, the philosophies and the ideologies that everyone is beginning to follow, I I happen to believe most of that has been spawned from hell having blinded our world, and I am calling upon this church as I have our church to make a stand for God. It's time once again to raise Bibles in the darkness, to lift up our voices above all of the demonic voices which are speaking in our world today, to live a life unto God that honors Him and glorifies Him, not just in word, but when people see us, they say they have been with Him. They know Him. Something has happened in their lives. There's a change taking place in them. We need living sacrifices. Paul, in speaking to Timothy, said, Don't let any man despise your youth, but you be an example of the believers in word and in conversation, in charity, in faith, in spirit, and in purity. God tells us that we are a wonderful, holy, anointed city that sits upon a hill. 
that in a generation when everything has become unseasoned and everything has become bland, that we are the salt of the earth, preserving and giving flavor to the lost souls that are looking for something that will change them. It's not time to hide our light. It's not time to blend in with the ideas of the world around us. It's not time to dim the lanterns so that we don't draw attention to ourselves. If there's ever been a time for us to stand up in boldness and declare we are apostolic Pentecostals, we are Jesus-named, Spirit-filled Pentecostals. We still believe that when you have an encounter with God, it turns you around and you walk in a different direction. We need the world to know that if everyone else is willing to compromise so that they can somehow become acceptable, that there is indeed a body of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for we know that it is the power of God unto salvation. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah speaks and he says, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, I can't speak for I'm a child. But the Lord said unto him, Don't say I'm a child, for you shall go to all that I shall send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Don't be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over nations and kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. Sometimes before you make any progress, you've got to tear back down. Sometimes before you can build something new that will strong and be lasting, you've got to get back to the foundation. I think it's time we get back to some foundations. I know that we've got youth groups that I still believe and trust that down the road when the time comes and the mantle is passed to them, they're still going to preach this same message and love this way of life and serve this same God. But I want to take a little bit of time this morning more as a pastor than as an evangelist to share with you what I believe every pastor's desire is for this generation. The youth of this church are not too young to rise up and to be mighty in spirit and to be anointed in this hour. There is still children in this house that God may call that will preach this glorious gospel and will somehow reach people that no one else is reaching. I want you to understand there are servant girls in the house of God that can still speak to Naaman about a prophet in Israel. I want you to know that we are not too powerless and we are not too inexperienced as David that we can't go into battle and kill the giants of this day. The world needs a church that is established firmly in the things of God, anointed in the Spirit of God, preaching the Word of God. The world needs you. The world needs families that are serving God. The family God looks to give you is always depending upon how you lead them and how you teach them and the path that you walk. 
We need a church that rises up and accepts the challenge in this day. Flagrantly and blatantly, hell has stood before us and mocked us and paraded before us its trophies. And we have just kind of been silent or we have kind of turned away as if we can't do anything. But we need to start speaking into the lives of those that are backslidden. We need to start speaking over the spirits in the streets of our city. We need to start speaking to the curses that are in our families that there is a God that can change everything. It doesn't take years. It doesn't take weeks. It can happen in a moment. Just one person who really believes that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we may ask or think can suddenly have their life changed. So I share with you five desires that every pastor has for this new year. Here's the first one. This is earth-shattering. Get the doctrine right. No confusion. No compromise. No wondering what it is and where we stand and what we believe. Every family, every young person needs to get the doctrine right. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 2, it says, For I give you good doctrine forsake not my law Matthew chapter 7 verse 28 says it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings the people were astonished at his doctrine in Mark 7 and 7 it says how be it in vain do they worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men in Acts 2 and 42 they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 it says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sight of men. I want you to know that in the last days there are people giving heed to seducing spirits that are now turning to doctrines of devils. We've got to understand what our doctrine is. Our doctrine is Acts 2.38. Our doctrine is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Our doctrine is in our baptism. For when we baptize, we don't just put somebody in water. We put them in the water in the name of Jesus. And it changes their lives. We still believe that when you surrender completely to God, you are baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost and something overwhelms you. And you begin to speak words of worship and praise you don't even know. We got to get the doctrine right. We're trying to get worship right. We're trying to get fellowship right. But none of that matters if we don't get the doctrine right. We need young people that go to school that know what they believe. We need moms and dads that teach their children what they believe. We have got to get this right. If we don't get it right in this generation, we're not going to reach our world. We've got to get the doctrine right. We can't be carried around with all of the different and strange doctrines in the world today. There's something about being identified by what you believe. 
See, for too long, we've been bragging about being identified by our worship. Oh, you're those people of praise. And there's nothing wrong with that because it's a big part of what we experience in the house of God. But the praise doesn't mean anything if we don't get the doctrine right. So when we go to the book, we can't add to and we can't take away. And we can't try to change what's in the book. If it says it, it's been forever settled. Everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken, but the Word of God is going to stand forever. So we have got to get the doctrine right. I, I, I want young people who, when they're asked what they believe, well, I believe what my mom and dad believes. No, it ought to be what I believe. And you're able to state it, and you're able to share it. You've got to get this right. We don't have much time left. We got to get the doctrine right. The second thing that I believe every pastor's prayer is for this new year is that we would become powerful in prayer. And the best way to learn, if you don't know, is to learn from your pastor and your pastor's wife. Follow their example. Don't pray timid, silent prayers. Don't pray careful, proper, quiet prayers. Don't pray guided, handed down, repeat after me prayers. Pray Pentecostal prayers. Pray with passion and pray with fire and pray with purpose. When you open your mouth, say something. When you open your mouth, speak boldly. Pray in public over your meals. Pray at school for classmates. Pray on your job for your workers. Get an anointing in prayer, in your prayer closet at home, but take that anointing and bring that passion of prayer with you to your church. When others look for excuses, we need to pray. When others find things to stay busy, we need to pray. When friends are visiting the water fountain during the church service, we need to pray. When others are wasting time on their cell phones, we need to pray. If others are getting to church late, we need to get there early and we need to pray. We've got to become the people of prayer God wants us to be. Elijah prayed, and fire fell from heaven on the evening sacrifice. Hannah prayed, and Samuel was promised and born. Solomon prayed, and God's Shekinah glory filled the temple. Hezekiah prayed, and 15 years were added to his life. The priests of the Levites prayed. And the people broke their idols. David prayed, and he found forgiveness. The righteous pray, and God hears their prayers. Daniel prayed in the face of adversity. The early church prayed, and Peter came out of the prison. We've got to pray for our family. We've got to pray for our friends. We've got to pray for our church. We've got to pray for our leaders. We've got to pray that God would reach down and change everything that's happening around us. I'm telling you, the only hope for the world is not some new social program or whoever you might elect into some political office. The hope of the world today is still the church and the message that the church believes and teaches and the power that we have in prayer. We need to become a people of prayer. And then we get the doctrine right. 
and we learn how to pray, then we can move into that place of worship. You're not too young to shout. You're not too old to leap for joy. You just don't get as high. You know, you're just... There's not certain qualification for dancing in the Spirit. You know, the old-timers got to their feet a lot quicker than we did. They shouted, Amen. I can remember times earlier in my ministry when I was preaching, and I'd, I'd see people jump up and run the aisles in the midst of the preaching, not because the beat of the music was loud and fast, but because the preacher was preaching truth and he was preaching it straight, and people were inspired by what they were feeling and God was moving. You know, we've got to get back to understanding worship is more than clapping and swaying with music. And all. Worship is when the preacher is preaching and you jump up and you say, Come on, Pastor Kenneth, that's what I believe and we need to hear. When it's preaching and it's convicting you and you know you got to make a change, you somehow got to get bold enough to stand up even when you're saying, Oh me, oh my, come on, Pastor, let me hear what the Word of God says. If your friends won't shout, shout anyway. If the adults aren't dancing, young people dance anyway. If that boy or girl that you like isn't lifting their hands, it's time to dump them and lift your hands and worship God, and he will move into his house. Worship on Sunday morning. Worship on Wednesday night. Worship at prayer meetings. Worship with the youth at the rallies. Worship at holiday youth convention and camp meeting and North American Youth Congress and all of the church camps. Worship God for it pleases Him and He will move into the house of your praise. A lot of times God seems to be at a place where we can't really touch Him because we haven't built the tabernacle for Him to dwell in. But if we will get back to worship and praise, God will show up. And when two or three gather in his name, he will manifest his presence and his power and his glory. And worship at your home church like you worship on the campground or you worship in some arena somewhere when there's a large crowd there. If you're going to shout the aisles there at camp meeting, shout the aisles at your home church. If you're going to dance there at the youth meetings, dance here at your home church. If you're going to do those things, get behind your pastor because he preaches with a burden for your heart and soul. You can get some young man to come in for holiday youth convention and he can kind of preach and get everybody worked up and stirred because the setting is unique and different. But when you get back home, can you worship God when you're in your home church? Can you jump just as high? Can you shout just as loud? We got to get everything right in this new year. If no one else has given God praise, someone needs to lead the valley of dry bones until the spirit blows and life comes upon the rest of them. And if there are those that won't shout and join with the service, then let someone else speak up and start encouraging the preacher. 
We have got to get to the place where God is ministering and moving. We've got to get the doctrine right. We've got to get it right in prayer. We've got to get it right in worship. We have to get it right. We've got to get it right in fellowship. We can't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. If there's ever been a time you've got to join together with the people of God, it's in this hour and in this day. There's something unique and special. You can touch God at home, kneeling by the couch, kneeling by your bedside, but there's something about corporate prayer. There's something about coming together and being with people of, of like precious faith and, and just knowing that I am not in this alone and someone that can encourage you and someone that can strengthen you and someone that can say, come on, I'm on your side. I'm rooting for you. I prayed for you this week. I know what God is able to do. I'm asking God to bless you more than you've ever been blessed. But it only happens in fellowship because if we're not careful, we can get discouraged and we isolate ourselves. We begin to close doors and push people away. We begin to hide. We can find reasons to hide. Well, there's something I need to do on my job or something I need to take care of at home. Or I really need to fix that flat tire on the car or replace that battery. Or... You know, the kids, well, they've got, they've got some difficulties in their class, and so I'm going to take a little bit more time, and I'm going to work with them and help them to get through this class. But if we forsake the house of God and the fellowship of God's people, we're going to lose everything that we've got. There's something about coming into this place and hearing his voice and knowing that he is with us and feeling his touch and knowing that God is going to speak to us and God is going to minister to us. Every pastor's desire for this generation is that something would happen and that we would begin to seek him, that we would change, that we would cry out to him. We need to resolve some things in this new year. We need to resolve that we're going to do better. We need to resolve that if this church is going to continue on the trajectory and the path that it's going on, that we can't stop doing what we've been doing. What got you to this very place is the very same thing we've got to continue doing. We've got to resolve that no matter what happens, I'm going to be faithful and obedient to the Lord in attending church. Why? Because you mature when you hear Bible studies. You grow through the preaching. You overcome by building your testimony in God's house. You receive strength in the presence of the Lord. You get encouragement when you are among your brothers and your sisters. You have an opportunity to worship. You are making a statement to yourself, to your family, and to your friends that I, I believe what my church teaches, and I stand with them, and I love God more than I love anything else, and I'm going to unite myself with them because we've got a world to reach. We've got a city we're trying to change. we got families that need to be turned around. There are more broken people in the world than there has ever been. There are greater opportunities for the church than there has ever been. Nobody walks in the church when they just got a brand new job that doubled their salary. 
Nobody walks in the church when their kids are all on the honor roll and they're not having any problems. Nobody walks in the church when they wake up one morning, roll over and see that honey of theirs and say, I love you so much. You know, we just need to go to church. It's always when things need fixing. It's always when things are broken. So we've got to get to the church. We've got to have fellowship with God's people. We've got to resolve that no matter what happens, I want people to see him in me. And then we have to, in this new year, reach a world that is lost. We were told we would receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon us. And that we would be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Everywhere we go, we are that people. We need to bring him with us. Not be embarrassed and ashamed of it. Whatever it is, we just need to stand out. I've had people on my job just the other day, someone that told me something. She said, you know, I've been going to a church and, and uh, would you mind if I visited your church? I said, absolutely not. We would love to have you, Amanda. I said, why don't you just come? She said, well, I may come Sunday. And I thought, oh, Lord, I'm not there Sunday. And then she said, well, I can't make it this Sunday, but I'll come next Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. But she said, you know, I've been going to a church, and there's just a bunch of drama in that church. Her words. A lot of families in that church, and they just don't get along with each other, and they're always fussing and fighting, and then they're always speaking against the leaders in the church, and I, I just don't want that anymore. I said, well, you need to come visit our church because we don't have that. We've got everybody that loves each other, and we're united in our purpose and in our mission, and, and we just love God, and we want God to bless everyone that's a part of our church. And so she's supposed to come next Sunday morning and visit. Now, I know there's some, some challenges there because I know that, that the man she's living with is not her husband, and I understand that. But if she walks in that door, I am going to love her. I am going to be friendly to her. I am going to shake her hand. I am going to tell her how glad I am. And whatever God gives me to preach, I'm just going to preach. But I want you to know that if we're going to reach the world, you know, the churches that are growing and the churches that are blessed are not the churches that are trying to model themselves in such a way that they just accommodate everybody's emotions and feelings. It's the churches that are just being what God wants the church to be. We're going to reach our world. We're just going to have to get it right. I'm going to add another thing that every pastor wants to see in the new year in the church. We just got to do a good job with our stewardship. And I'm just throwing that in because I have no idea. My son and I, have we never talk about. I don't, he gets, some of the things he gets, he gets from me. And I'm just a very private person. We don't share things in, in those areas. But I want you to know that in this new year, if you will try God and, and be faithful in your tithes and offerings, God will bless you abundantly. 
we can get that right, there's enough money among the people of God to be brought in the storehouse that we can reach the world. It gives you finances and resources for reaching those that are lost and touching missionaries and blessing them when they pass through and and doing all kinds of things and once in a while helping families that are struggling, whatever it may be. But I want you to know we've got to get some things right. I would love to see every church get their doctrine right. I would love to see every church preach his name boldly without any shame and would let everyone know we believe in one God. I don't have time to debate how many gods there are. I've been invited a couple of times and had others that want to sit down and discuss it. I don't have time for that. I'm not worrying about that because you're convinced already and you're not going to unconvince me. So there's no sense in that. But I'm going to tell you what's in the Word of God and then I'm going to leave it in your hands and in your ballpark. But I want us to get our doctrine right. I want us to get our prayer right. I want us to get our worship right. I want us to get our fellowship right. We need to get our stewardship right. And we need to get Saving the lost right as we stand this morning. If every youth group could get the basics right, if we could get doctrine and prayer and worship and fellowship and witnessing to the lost, if we can get those five areas in our life right, this church would explode and double by the end of this year. I know you're limited by space. And it might be uncomfortable for a while because maybe it requires two services on a Sunday morning instead of one. And I know it means... Some of us giving up our seat so that visitors can have a seat. But you'd be surprised what you could fit in this congregation, in this building, if you really wanted to. But we've got to get these areas right. There isn't time to play games. There isn't time to practice and get better. I would love it in our home church if it was the young people that were bringing friends and more visitors than the rest of the church. I would love it if it was our youth group that was leading in worship and praise. If it was them that was gathered down around the altars weeping and crying as they were touching the throne of God in prayer. We need young families who have got this down just like it needs to be so that when their kids get older, they just kind of step right in. And we don't mind Letting go. You know why most people don't want to let go? They don't have confidence in the ones that are following. 
I've got confidence in this generation. I've got confidence in this hour that God will bring whatever he needs to and position whatever he needs to for the church to be blessed and to grow. Every pastor's desire for the new year. Get the doctrine right. Get prayer right. Get worship right. Get fellowship right. Get witnessing right. Every eye closed for a moment. With all that you've experienced in seven years, what a tremendous, tremendous road God has led you down. But I believe that this year can be and should be the greatest year in the history of this church. I believe that everything God wants to do, He's able to do through those that are here this morning. Do you know what you believe? Have you established it in your mind and your heart? One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That baptism is done in the name of Jesus. That an altar should be visited more than just once in your life. Because sometimes you need to hear something fresh from God. That God is trying to reach and get us to a place where we can do mighty things for Him. So in the new year, what do you need to work on? What area may be weak in your life? How can you help others and encourage them? I need to pray better. I need to have more passion. I need to pray more. I need more freedom in my worship. I've got to somehow get some things in order that I can make it to the house of God when the doors are open. It's been a while since I invited someone to church and told them my testimony. I've got to be a better witness. In this new year, what can you do so that God can bless this church in ways you've never imagined? I wonder if all across this congregation we might just begin to pray. <laughs>